Final seconds of the game. A chance to score and the chance has gone begging. If your business's commerce platform keeps missing the target on golden opportunities, get the MVP you deserve. Get Shopify. <laughs> Shopify is the commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. Whether you're a garage entrepreneur or IPO ready, Shopify is the only tool that you need to start, run, and grow your business without the struggle. Shopify puts you in control of every sales channel. So whether you're selling signed football boots from Shopify's in-person POS system or you're vending vintage shirts on Shopify's all-in-one e-commerce platform, you are covered. And once you've reached your audience, Shopify has the internet's best converting checkout to help you turn them from browsers to buyers. What I love about Shopify is how, no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US. And Shopify is truly a global force, powering Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across over 170 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash ranks, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com forward slash ranks to take your business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash ranks. If you could trade a bench warmer for the greatest of all time, you'd do it, right? Get your business a game-changing pickup by choosing the commerce platform with the internet's best converting checkout. That's Shopify. Shopify is the commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. Whether you're a garage entrepreneur or IPO ready, Shopify is the only tool you need to start, run and grow your business without the struggle. Shopify puts you in control of every sales channel. So whether you're selling signed football boots from Shopify's in-person POS system or vending vintage shirts on Shopify's all-in-one e-commerce platform, you're covered. And once you've reached your audience, Shopify has the internet's best converting checkout to help you turn them from browsers to buyers. What I love about Shopify is how, no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you possibly need to take control and take your business to that very next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US, and Shopify is truly a global force, powering Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across over 170 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com ranks, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com ranks to take your business to the next level today. That's shopify.com ranks. Hello, this is international football commentator Derek Ray, and you're listening to the Ranks FC podcast. Rank Squad and welcome to Ranks FC. It's your favourite football podcast back for another week out of preview season. My name is Jack Collins and I'll be your host today and I'm joined 
by our transfer guru, Mr. Dean Jones. How you doing, mate? I'm good, mate. I would not miss an episode like this one. This is serious transfer information. We've entered the emergency zone, haven't we? Yeah, this is the transfer emergency room. We are coming up to the end of the transfer window. There's just over a week left in most countries that we're discussing today. And there are certain clubs in dire need of surgery, is how I would put it. So in part one, we're going to be looking through some Premier League sides who have some work to do. And then in part two, going to be walking through a couple of the clubs on the continent who also need some potentially life-saving surgery in order for their campaigns to get to they, where they need to go. So I'm really looking forward to this one, Dave. Oh, mate, i tell you what. Uh, yeah, there are some teams in some big, big trouble right now. And, and as I stand here in the, in the Premier League uh, hospital, I've just got my first patient arrived, delivered by ambulance, blue-lighted all the way from Old Trafford. And Man United... I've just appeared on my surgery table and all I'm doing straight away, mate, is I'm, I'm cutting straight into the belly because this looks like it's a big operation that is needed. But as I'm cutting into the belly of this team, I'm just seeing a big hole. Like this is a massive problem. Um, I, I, don't, I don't really know what to do in a situation like this. Um, there, there's some serious surgery needed. It looks like maybe an Amrabat-shaped implant might be needed to, to slot in uh, to the, the functioning of, of this team's body. Maybe even a Gravenbirch one. I, I can't quite figure it out. But look, Man United, honestly, two games into the season and in disarray on the back of their performances and the reviews of those performances. Um, I'm sure they can survive this moment. But yeah, this is why they've been blue lighted into the AR room right now. Um, it's it's a bad, bad time. They've even been linked with Verratti in the last couple of days I actually love that link I mean I know he's 30 but I'm not really caring about a long-term solution for Man United right now alongside Casemiro what I think Man United need right now is to raise the standards and expectations of this squad let's not forget the age-old tale Man United were supposed to sign Frankie de Jong let's never ever forget that fact they are still nowhere near having Frankie de Jong at Old Trafford. So they need to kind of find a couple of people that can be a Frankie de Jong or at least come close to it. And Casemiro, yep, he's had bad reviews too coming into this, this new season. Jamie Carragher being particularly uh, derogatory, I'd say, of, of his performance and how he might build out from here across the season. I'm not going to be quite as hard as him, on him as that. Casemiro um, definitely has scope to to build back from here and from what you've got credit in the bank yeah he's got credit in the bank and he's he's been through blips before and come out the other side so i trust that he will verratti look if he's actually being allowed to leave psg then united should be all over a conversation like that but yeah as i do look into the guts of man united and I, i stare at this yeah big hole in the middle um it's not the only thing that i notice is wrong with them they need another forward There is absolutely no avoiding the fact that Man United goal threat is just not there. Think of those two glaring chances they had with headers at the Spurs game. The Rashford one, the Bruno Fernandes one. Look, one wouldn't have counted anyway, but they both still should have ended up in the back of the net. No doubt about it. Hoyland, injured for now. Greenwood, not coming back. Sancho, a dud as far as I'm concerned as a false nine. 
Rashford's wasted as a nine. Like Rashford should be out on the left. You're not getting the full productivity of Marcus Rashford when he is playing as a central nine. I know that Eric Ten Hag is now actively asking for another option in his attack. Not Veghorst. That's not the one this time. It's not going to be a Veghorst. But he wants another option. It obviously is going to probably have to be cheap. Man United don't have that much money to throw around. So who's out there with some pedigree? Well, if you want someone who's played in the Premier League and is looking available, you could go Che Adams. Don't think that's going to totally solve the problem or satisfy the United We'll keep that implant for later. Yeah. I have a feeling someone might need him. I was looking abroad and thinking, what else is out there right now for pretty much nothing or at least cheap? I saw Gabby Goal's got a year left on his contract. He's been talked about coming to the Premier League for long enough. Don't think that's quite the answer. The best option I could see out there that might be feasible or affordable was Mehdi Taremi. I think like something like that, he's obviously been talked about before. Um, I think something like that would be fantastic for Man United. But those two positions a forward and a midfielder, are the priority. I still don't think that's the end of it. As this body lays on the table, I can still see a problem. The defence. Harry Maguire should be gone right now. But United are stuck with a high-earning player that they don't want. He's fifth-choice centre-back. and He's earning about 220 grand a week. Absolutely ludicrous. Um, Last night, there were even rumours that Varane was being offered a mega deal in Saudi Arabia. Can you imagine? Imagine Varane suddenly left on the eve of, of transfer deadline day. I mean, suddenly United are looking at Martinez, Lindelof, Shaw and Maguire. They've looked at Pavard before. They've looked at Tadebo before and others. Just doesn't seem like United have much financial wiggle room to do anything right now. But that looks like a big problem. And then, of course, they also need a backup goalkeeper because it looks like Henderson doesn't want to be a backup goalkeeper. He's linked with various teams, including Crystal Palace right now. Uh, your mate Vlakodimos is being linked from Benfica. Not a bad backup option. Yeah, um, certainly could do worse than that if, if you're Man United. But yeah, look... This patient, Man United, needs some major surgery. We're heading into the last week of the transfer window. I think he's going to be laying on this table uh, for the next eight, nine days. Uh, trying to, We're going to try and fix him, but it's going to take some money to do it. I don't know where they're going to get it from. Yeah, the NHS isn't covering this one in the UK <laughs> by, the, by the sounds of it. Uh, there's been some interesting stuff on Amrabat, actually. Um, we had a question on our Monday post box that we actually didn't answer. Um, from a regular commenter, Mr. Andy Mergs, who's a United fan, saying it's obviously we've been linked to Sofian Amrabat, but there's a lot out there saying don't play, buy a player off one good tournament. I realise Jack's very positive about him. But a couple of the United podcasts in the past week or two have been really scathing of him and his abilities to the point where it's really put me off the idea of signing him. That's weird. I saw this and I was a bit confused because I think that Sofian Amrabat is a wonderful footballer. Obviously, Andy's alluded to that in, in his point. But when you kind of look at all of this, I think that we've seen two sides of Amrabat over the last season. We've seen him at the World Cup in a Morocco team that weren't particularly possession dominant, where he was able to break up play, where he was a destructive presence, where he gave away a lot of fouls, broke up you know opposition attacks and, and played as that kind of destroyer. But also in a Fiorentina team who was second in possession, only to Napoli last season in Serie A. They were a very, very ball-heavy team. They liked to knock the ball about. And actually where he shone in those regards was his distribution. And I think that generally when you're looking at him right now, 
he feels a lot older than he is. We've kind of mentioned this before. Feels like he's kind of verging on 30. Amrabat is not. He's not verging on 30. He's 26. And actually, when you put all of those things together, I think that what he would add to Manchester United in terms of both being on ball and being able to break up playing games where they're faced with a quick break, something we saw in that first game against Wolves where they just weren't able to stop the flood of breaks coming through that midfield. Amrabat answers pretty much all of the questions. I was sceptical in that I thought he was a player that needed to go and start for someone. And I was worried that with Mount coming in, with Casemiro there and with Bruno Fernandes as the kind of dominant captain figure in this team, that he wouldn't be getting games. But having seen Manchester United in the first two games of this season, I'm starting to believe that he'd start pretty much all the time. And therefore, all of my concerns are some, somehow allayed. Yeah, and it's the it's the the layout and the structure of that Man United midfield that's that's been a massive problem so far. Um, I understand that United want to give Mason Mount games in order to find form, in order to establish himself at Man United as the number seven. But at the moment, his addition to that midfield seems to be creating more problems than answers. And you have to wonder how long they all persist with it. I was very surprised with the three that they went for in midfield in the Spurs game, given what we'd already seen in the Wolves game. And I don't believe that that can continue. Now, they have already got options that they could call on, obviously. Uh, Ericsson, McTominay's still there. So I, I don't believe that it will always be that three. But I do also know that, that Mount is going to be given every opportunity. I, I just feel like the makeup of the United team needs to change. Even if it is that Mount ends up moving... But maybe Mount moves into the left forward position so that Rashford could play through the middle. Like Garnacho's not had a great start to the season. They clearly don't trust Jaden Sancho. Maybe try Mount somewhere else. I don't know. But um, this midfield is a massive, massive problem. Right, let's move on because I've just had another patient. Oh, let me run into the next ward. I can see somebody else is sitting on a chair in here. Uh, who's the, oh, it's Everton. It's Everton. Um, Ever- Everton's sat here. Um, uh, hold on. It could be fatal, this one. Yeah, well... Fatal. Looking very strange. I mean, he looks okay generally, but he's got his mouth wide open. If I, if I just dangle my hand in this in this patient's mouth, there's no bite. There's hang on. Look, I could put my hand in in this patient's mouth. Doesn't bite me. Absolutely. There's no danger. There's no danger with this patient. And he he doesn't seem to have any ability to defend himself or attack someone. Um, So, yeah, this is a big problem, this this Everton character. Um, Let's look at Everton's problems that we've seen so far. Let's look. The obvious one. They need another source of goals beyond Dominic Calvert-Lewin, the unluckiest footballer in the world when it comes to injuries. Like the the one they got at the weekend when he took that bang was just... Ridiculous. Um, the alternative options to him, Danjuma and Morpai, are not okay. One of our patrons wrote in the other day saying, uh, is Morpai the worst player in the Premier League? I, I didn't answer it. I, I don't like answering questions like that. I will let you all make your own conclusions. He's down there. <laughs> he's down there. But I, I, I'm not going to throw egg at him. Um, you know, he's obviously a good footballer. He plays in the Premier League been there for a while like he's you have to be good to get to that level he's not going to solve their problems though and I say you want a team with bite a team that can hurt people more pay ain't going to be helping that beyond that this is the softest established team in the Premier League a Sean Dyche team should be reflective of him this one absolutely is not defensively 
they are a shambles. Sometimes I wonder if Sean Dyche should just get his kit on and, and go and play centre-back. Um, I watched Sean Dyche a few times as a player. Uh, he wouldn't have, have settled for this. Um, I don't know. The problem is if Everton have the time or the funds to do anything about this, they need a centre-back though. They're in massive trouble. If you watch that Villa defeat, it was so bad. The manner of their defending, at times they're not even looking at play. They're, they're looking around. They've got their backs turned to the ball. Michael Keane looking around. Ashley Young putting his own team in danger with throw-ins. Sean Dyche has had 20 games as Everton manager. They've conceded 34 goals. They've got a big issue coming up here. So can Everton find any solution? They are digging into the transfer market, trying to find solutions in attack. Youssef Chimiti has been brought in for £12 million. He's only 19 years old. Now, this guy, by all accounts, has, has scope for the future, but seems to be a bit of a work in progress. I don't think it would really be fair to expect of him to fix this goal-scoring problem that is ongoing. But yeah, Everton aren't looking good as they sit in this chair. No, I'm worried because actually on paper, a centre-back pairing of Tarkovsky and Michael Keane should be pretty solid, right? Mm. This is something that you expect to be well-experienced, wise, not make stupid errors. And yet the weekend was a bloodbath. Now, they were okay in the first game against Fulham. They probably should have got more out of that game. But generally, you look at this and in front of them, you know, Idrissa Ganagay, Abdullah Decore, Anana. This is a midfield that you're looking at and going, I, I don't quite understand what's wrong. I'm not 100% sure why it's not functioning, but it's not functioning. And, and I think that's a pretty dreadful place to be. Now, defensively, Bed Godfrey's coming back. Jared Branthwaite had a really good year abroad on loan in the Eredivisie last season. There's a lot of scope for him. I think that Mikalenko should be able to slot in at left back at some point here. It's almost like he's gone for, okay, we lost the first game. Let's go for just experience. We'll put Young back in at left back, Tarkovsky, Keane, and they've repaid him by having the most childish sort of tantrum on the pitch in terms of the way that they performed. That It's a bit like, wow. But I think Ben Godfrey does make this better. I like Ben Godfrey. I think he's a really good player. And I do think there is scope for them to improve, but... It really needs to improve quickly. Up front, I agree with you. Chamiti is a really interesting footballer. I really liked seeing his breakout at Sporting last year. He is not a, I'm going to come in and bang 20 goals striker. And it feels like without many goals from different areas of this team, that that's what they're lacking right now. But equally, I don't think Everton have the funds to go out and buy the teeth they need, if you will. They can't, they can't go out and buy a 20-goal striker because they have too much money wrapped up in the new stadium build, wrapped up in FFP concerns to actually deal with that. And, and I'm worried that the implants they need are not going to be affordable. Yeah, I mean, um, a couple of players. I mean, Che Adams, I, I talked about, obviously, as a potential for Man United to go for, seems more reasonable that he might end up... Um, at Everton, um, which is probably a, a good stylistic fit um, and a good type of character for a, for a Sean Dyche team. So uh, let's see if they can push that one over the line. Southampton, um, begrudgingly, I think, willing to let him go um, at the right pli- price, which is between 12 and £15 million. Pounds. 
but they also need to know that they're getting someone in to replace him. So like that might not be as immediate as it as it needs to be in the next day or so. Um, we shall see. They're also leaked with uh, Hugo Ekitike again. I see he's being touted around a lot of Premier League clubs as well at the moment. Um, I need I need him for my international patient ward. So I oh, do you? Him there. Sorry. Don't worry, he's not been seen uh, recently in my hospital. So, uh, yeah, that, that's where we're at with Everton. Oh, and let me see if this lad a pat on the back. Good luck, mate. Good luck. Hope, hope you managed to find your bite. Um, right, I'm going to just walk into this next room now because I know there's another patient waiting for me. Uh, oh, blimey. Right, here we go. Uh, now, oof, this, pa- this patient is looking badly bruised and battered. What does it say on it? Wolves. Wolves, they've been absolutely beaten black and blue here. Um, let's see what the notes say. Got an absolute hiding from Brighton at the weekend. Oh, okay, yeah, this explains a lot. Yeah, this this patient uh, has, has really been through it in the last few days and been taught a thing or two about building a football club and a football team. So, uh, okay, this this makes sense. Um, good reason for the, for this team to be to be sat here um looking totally totally stunned to be honest brighton are a brilliantly run well coached well established team with a brilliant playing philosophy wolves are not so that's that's our first thing we can we can definitely take from this um but gary o'neill has i think is the right man here actually to to sort of help me save this patient because Look, a lot of managers probably would have turned their nose up at a challenge like this. I mean, this is a patient that can easily be laying lifeless on the floor right now, just willing to to, to let life pass away, just, just disappear. But Gary O'Neill loves a fight. He turned things around at Bournemouth. And I think that could pay off long term. He's got low expectations here. So let's create an us against the world mentality. Um the problem is <laughs> he hasn't really got the personnel to to help him so far and that's what we need to try and help them with because when you look at the, the crux of this squad and what's here and what's gone that's where the problems are i mean defensively you've got craig dawson max kilman they've got toti gomez here but they're the only center backs that they've got to call upon, got Mario Lamina in midfield, but even he's been linked with Liverpool at the moment. You can't really afford to let a midfielder like that leave. Um, up front, you're struggling for too many options. Um, the Mateus Cunha deal is now complete. He's here on a perm. Um, that's a great signing for Wolves. I'm not sure he's going to be delighted at the way that this has all played out from when this deal first started being spoken about. Um He's probably my favourite player that's left at this football club. Um, but he thought he was joining a team that were going places. I don't think there's barely anyone left that's on his wavelength, to be honest with you. And that's what we need to try and find. Like, it's not just finding the right physical fit for this Wolves team. It's finding the ones that are actually mentally capable of, of lifting the levels of this football club. They've been through a lot. They've lost a lot of players. Neves, Collins, Cody, Adama, Jimenez, Martinho, Diego Costa. The standard of this squad has dropped significantly. Now, some of those players, it was time to go. Some of them, well, they had no choice but to let them go, given their contract situations and having to bring money into the football club because they have big financial fair play issues. But I'm just looking at it like they've got 
Fabio Silva, who you hope could do well. Kalajic, you hope could do well. There's just too much hope attached to Wolves right now and not enough guarantees. So I, I'm not sure how we're going to come through. And well, we'll start to like put some ice on them and, you know, we'll try to, to cool them down and help them recover from this, this battering that they've just had. But they've still not finished in terms of getting people out the door because Podent seems to be a bit of a problem. Um, this is a player that I was actually really excited about when he joined Wolves, but Podent now seems to be causing more problems behind the scenes than seems worth dealing with. They've got to get him out the door. How much money is he actually going to bring in? He's been linked to Celtic, probably around 10, 11 million pounds if they're actually going to get that done. So it's still not significant money that you're going to be bringing into this squad. No, I don't think this is an impossible job for Gary O'Neill. But as I'm sitting here looking at this patient, complete mess. Yeah, it does feel like that, doesn't it? I mean, on paper, it's another one of these. On paper, this Wolves squad is still okay. Matthias Cunha is not a goal scorer and has never been a goal scorer, really, during his career. His best return ever was 12 in 39 mm. for Hertha. He scored a couple for Atleti. He scored a couple on loan for Wolves last year. But he's never really been that kind of player. He needs a goal scorer around him in order to, to fully thrive. But a front three of one of Fabio Silva and Kalajic, and then Cunha on one side and Pedro Neto on the other, is perfectly plausible. You know, in, in terms of actually doing what it was. And I think we saw in that first performance against Manchester United that Wolves were not as bad as I was really worried about them being because we were looking at this squad and thinking, how's it going to work? But the midfield three works really nicely together. Now, I know Mateusz Nunes got sent off in at the end of the Brighton game, but generally, I think Nunes, Lamina, Joao Gomes is, is a very solid, decent Premier League midfield. Behind them, there's some interesting players. Joe Hodge is one. Maybe not the the name that people are looking to pull out here to be like, oh, wow. But I think he had a good sort of breakthrough year and now we'll be looking to kick on from there. Rubikar Traore didn't set the world on fire on loan, but has managed to make it permanent. There is talent in this squad. I'm just really worried about the fact that none of it seems to be clicking whatsoever. And look, it's no, there's no shame in being battered by Brighton. Like, we should be very clear on that early doors that... That is not the thing that is really worrying here. It's the fact that Wolves feel like anything going wrong in the slightest is going to completely knock them off their stride. And if that happens, I think this job is going to become all but impossible. Yeah, well, look, I'm saying it's not an impossible job because of the type of manager he is. I, I'm giving him, I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt because I would say it's almost a perfect chance for him to actually build his own credibility here too because it was given told it was an impossible job at Bournemouth like Scott Parker even told him that you can't keep this team out they are rubbish well he did it and he actually started to turn around to where they now are and they're looking at a team that could actually have a decent future within the Premier League and as I say because the expectations are so low I feel like Gary O'Neill can use that to his advantage and actually look to to build out from here and, and lead Wolves on but yeah it it won't be easy um I've just had a chat actually with the patient while you were talking there and he informs me that they're actually playing Everton at the weekend so there's they're sat side by side uh room by room here in the hospital ward Everton and Wolves and they are going head to head in basically a six pointer at the weekend <laughs> so keep your eyes on on that fixture uh in the Premier League on Saturday 
Mm-hmm. Um, right, I'm going to have to wrap things up here soon because it's getting so busy, Jack, uh, in this emergency room. But um, there is one more patient I, I wanted to pop in and see because it felt like a bit of a strange one. Uh, let, me, let me just see who it is. Uh, it's, okay, it's Liverpool. It's Liverpool. Now, this this patient seems to be in pretty good health overall, but it says no heartbeat. This patient doesn't have a heartbeat. Now that now that's that's not helpful. So I do <laughs> trying to resuscitate it right now. Um, and yeah, all, all the bits around the heart seem to be working really nicely. They've got a lovely sobus lie in there. I can see that. They've got a McAllister that is said. Um, had a bit of a problem at, at the weekend, but they're, they're confident they'll get, that'll get going again very quickly. Um, yep, Jones, Bychetic, that all looks really good. But, okay, I see the problem. So they had a Henderson and a Fabinho that have gone, and it doesn't look like they've been replaced properly. So they, they've tried to replace those two with an endo. Now, I've, I've heard of endoscopies before, but not this type. Not an endo, uh, endoscopy. Uh, and and that's, that seems to be the routine uh, procedure that they've tried to carry out here, thanks to Jürgen Klopp. Um, and, yeah, there seems to be a problem here. Now, Liverpool were looking to spend £111 million on Caicedo. They thought about Lavia, which was like 50, 60 million pounds. They've spent 16 million pounds on Endo, who by all accounts is a very, very good player, but seems like he's got a lot of work to do here. Now, the message coming out of Liverpool that I'm hearing right now is that this is it. This is the solution. They're not looking for any more midfielders. I'm finding it hard to believe, though. I'm I'm really finding it hard to believe. Jurgen Klopp is the one that's driven this transfer. That doesn't happen that many, that often. And the last time I can really remember him doing it in a position like this was Thiago, a player they didn't really need at the time, and a player that I wouldn't say need him now. Yeah, they do need him now, but it hasn't gone especially well for him up to now. But yeah, they might really need these two Klopp signings uh, to go especially better. Let's see what they can do. Um, as I say, the message out of the club is not to expect anything. I feel like they said that before and they've been working in the dark and then they've, they've just revealed one. They've been linked with Calvin Phillips again. I haven't heard any progress on that front of it actually happening, so I, I'm not convinced. But yeah, let's see if they can find someone who's the right pricing the right terms and conditions are there for something to happen. We know that Liverpool have been looking in the transfer market at players recently. They were literally pursuing Amrabat a week ago to see if they could compete with Man United and actually take him off their toes. They've been in that conversation for Gravenberch. They've been looking at Palinia. They've been looking at Czech Decore at Crystal Palace. Why would they suddenly go cold on all that? Because they've sound a midfielder who's been at Stuttgart hiding in plain sight. I'm not sure, mate. I mean, maybe you've got more faith in Endo than I have. Can he... Is this pulse about to start going again or not? I need to get this heart restarted. So if I was looking for a replacement heart and someone offered me a sleek, shiny, new Japanese-driven model, I'd probably (laughs) go for it. I really like this signing. And now I don't know if it's the be-all and end-all, and I'm with you in that I think Liverpool probably still need one more midfielder. But I think that what Endo does here 
is he allows you to be a little bit more open with what that midfielder looks like. It doesn't necessarily need to be a pure six in the same way that Wataru Endo is. So I, I'm, I'm really pleased with this for Liverpool because actually one of the things that they lost in Fabinho leaving, in Henderson, the captain leaving, in Milner, a stalwart of the club leaving, was that leadership in the middle of the park. And Soboslai and, and Alexis McAllister are wonderful players, but they are young players adapting, in Soboslai's case, to the Premier League for the first time, and in McAllister's case, to playing for a club like Liverpool and wearing that number 10 shirt on his back at Anfield. I think what Endo brings you as the ex Stuttgart captain, as the captain of the Japan national team, is just someone who's going to be able to put themselves on the line and be able to help other people through their games a little bit more to be able to give a platform for these kind of players to shine. I thought it was a really smart move. Now, I can completely understand the scepticism that's flowing from not just other parts of the Premier League, but also from within the Liverpool fan base itself. But I really mm. do like it. I think that he's a player that comes in He's never, ever going to shirk on his duties. He's always going to give you everything he has. He loves a big challenge. He will cover every blade of grass. That kind of player, I think, at Liverpool is exactly what they need. Now, I still think they want one more, but I think they can afford now for that player to be a little bit more of a, a versatile midfielder. Maybe a Kefren Turan, you know, maybe mm. a Manu Kone. Someone who can come in and be given the time to develop and, and, and find a, adapt because I think that Endo will come into this side and be a pretty big fixture in it for the next one, two years. Now, they've given him a four-year contract, which I think is a pretty good sign. But actually, you look at his record, you look at what he's done in, in the last couple of years. He very rarely misses games through either injury or suspension, which is pretty impressive in his position because he's expected to get through a lot of work. And also, it's a position where you expect to pick up cards. So the fact that he's been almost ever-present at Stuttgart, I think is a good thing. He was the reason I think that Stuttgart stayed in the Bundesliga last season, just his ability to put out fires. And I think Liverpool have quietly gone about and maybe pulled off a, a mini masterclass here. Very interesting. He is actually going to jolt them back into life. You're right. I've just discovered that this Japanese warrior is going to do exactly that. The life expectancy in Japan is far higher than it is in the UK and far higher too than it is in the USA. So that's exactly what they've done. They've brought someone who's going to extend the lifespan of that Liverpool midfield that was on its way to dying and not being able to compete in the top four. So, yep, at the last minute there, you've saved it with that piece of information. Very good stuff. They should be okay, this patient. They, they, they should be able to survive. They might still look to add an extra piece, but the life expectancy levels have been extended thanks to the signing of Endo. Yeah, there we have it. Great stuff. A last-minute transplant helping Liverpool out there. <laughs> With that, we come to the end of our Premier League hospital. Yeah, they're so. chucking me out, mate. They are chucking yeah, me out. You're, it's you're out done, time. I think. You're yeah. done. Uh, right, after the break, we are going to be going international to take a little look at four teams who also need a little bit of surgery ahead of the transfer window closing. Don't go anywhere. Looking for a fun way to win 25 times your money this football and basketball season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. 
Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com/play100 and use code play100. That's code play100 at prizepicks.com/play100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Welcome back to Ranks FC. It's time for us to go international in part two here. And we're looking at four patients from the continent. Well, we do things a little bit differently in the Continental Hospital, Dean. It's all a little bit more strategically put together, you know, rather than the vibes that we've seen at Premier League HQ. So I'm going to start with a patient in the form of Barcelona. This patient is, well, it looks like they're homeless at the moment, but apparently they're going to be moving back into their house in a year. So that's good. We've got a year to get through the mean streets of Barcelona at Montjuic. So we'll see. Right. The parts that come in to Barcelona this summer, Oriol Romeo at defensive midfield, Ilkay Gundogan at centre midfield, and Inigo Martinez at centre-back. Out, the players that they've lost, Sergio Busquets, defensive midfield, Jordi Alba, a left back. Usman Dembele, a right wing. Franck Kessier, centre mid. Pablo Torre has gone out on loan, a young centre midfielder. Serginio Dest has fired off to PSV. And Araujo has gone off to Las Palmas. Not Ronald Araujo, let's just be very clear. Julian Araujo. So they've lost two right backs. They've lost a couple of centre midfielders. They've lost a left back. And they've lost a right winger. They've brought in a couple of midfielders. They've brought in a centre-back as well. Now, what do they need is the question that we start to answer here. And Xavi's made it very clear that he wants two positions and maybe a third. He wants a right-back to come in and be able to address the flow of blood that seems to be going down that right-hand side. doesn't feel like they can really get their right-hand side moving in the way that Barcelona want to. And they want another centre-midfield piece. He seems set with the way that his midriff is working, but he wants just some component parts to be able to adjust it across the course of this lifespan of a season. So mm. uh, right back, the obvious link is Raul Cancelo. He seems to be the one that yeah. Xavi wants, and you can completely understand why that's the case. Obviously, a player at the highest level who wants to play at one of the top clubs in Europe. And it seems like that piece is on the way. I think that's probably the general feeling about this that Cancelo's move feels a bit like a formality at this point Barcelona really the only club that want him and that he wants to go to and it feels like a fit for both parties City want him off the books and Cancelo wants to be off the books at City as well there's a little bit of chat about Ivan Fresneda who was highly talked about earlier on in the window felt like a lot of clubs were after him but that one's got a bit quiet I'd still be wary of it I think that actually what they might need in this in this part of the body is a more experienced head just to help guide them through this season, especially with such a young core around them. So I think that Cancelo feels like a best bet. If they were going to be going 
down that right-hand side and going with someone a little bit different. The one I would quite like is Thierry Correa, who plays for Valencia uh, as a right-back. He's had a good couple of years at Valencia. He's not perfect, but I think as a young player who'd probably be cheaper than Fresneda and would be able to, to fill that gap, gets forward well, strong runner on the ball. I think Correa is an interesting option, but I think that the Cancelo procedure here, the Cancelo transplant, mm. feels like the one that Xavi wants. Yeah, the homelessness is an issue um, because I remember them last season and the, the verve they had about them going on, becoming champions. The new life that, that Xavi had put into them was, was really key. But now this change of stadiums, being away from Camp Nou, watching that game at the weekend, which they did get over the line and they beat Cadiz 2-0 at the weekend. But it, it didn't feel like home at all. Um, so I, I understand that there's going to be some some issues here for Barcelona in terms of, of making that switch and trying to replicate their, their home stadium for a year. Um, that will not be easy. Um, Lewandowski looks a bit off colour too in the first two games. I don't think he's particularly enjoyed the style of game that they've been involved in so far. But you're right, they, like a couple of additions are needed as well to change. And, and Cancelo definitely feels like it an emergency signing that is absolutely needed. I think it will change a lot. Well, I think it's really interesting looking at the different kind of patients we've got in here. And we'll come on to each of them. But the thing with Barcelona is that it feels like they need marquee signings because that's what's going to drive the attendances back up. That's what's going to get fans excited to be actually go to, you know, their temporary home. And, and season tickets were lower than they were expecting them to be, et cetera, et cetera. So mm. it feels like they need names, which is why they were almost certainly linked with Neymar and a return for him earlier on in the window. Uh, they were linked with Bernardo Silva, which takes on quite nicely to, to centre midfield. That was the player that Xavi wanted. He is the dream signing. But it doesn't feel like Barcelona have the money to buy these wild marquee signings that they actually no. want. So Giovanni Lo Celso, is seen as a good, sensible backup. I think that makes sense. He's a player that can play in multiple positions in, in this midfield. He can push up and play as a second striker. We saw a fair bit of that when he was out on loan at, at Villarreal as well. But I've been thinking about it and just thinking about alternative options. Uh, and one of them that's come to mind is Oliver Torres, who plays for Sevilla. Sevilla are cash-strapped. Uh, and the last midfielder that made this move from Sevilla to Barcelona did pretty well in Ivan Rakitic. Torres' contract is up next summer. I think he's about 28 years old. He feels like there's still a bit to give there. And I think he's just been a relatively consistent player over, the t over his time in Seville. Just might be one to keep an eye on with that contract expiring because I feel like he's the kind of player that would just slot in quite nicely at Barcelona. Yeah, yeah, I, I think so. Um, like you say, they've got to be a bit, a bit careful. I mean, at, at some stage, they, they're going to go big again. But this isn't the moment for that and they're having to be a little frugal but smart too and I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing after what happened last season yeah well it takes us on quite nicely to this kind of final piece which is seen as maybe a little bit not surplus requirements but is the kind of we'd like that if we can get the first two done and sorted and that's this sort of second striker slash number 10 slash winger and the big name that's been linked is Joao Felix now this is partly to do with George Mensch and the fact that he wants Felix out of Atletico Madrid because he's not getting games there. Simeone ha doesn't trust him. He's had his squad number taken off him. It's all very uncomfortable. Mm. Um, and it feels like with his overtures at Barcelona earlier in the summer, he might be someone that could actually move along and actually maybe they would get the best out of him. I actually think the fit's quite nice. 
generally with, with him and Barcelona. But I do wonder if they can afford this. Now, there's talk of Ansu Fati being used in some sort of swap deal. There's talk of Abde Azelzouli going out to Leverkusen for 20 million euros, which might make things a little bit more palatable. But I was thinking of some alternatives. Mm. And Nico Gonzalez at, at Fiorentina might be one of interest. There's talk around getting 30 million euros for a move there. He's a dynamic goal-scoring player who, who gets people off their seats. Could they get Chucky Lozano out of Napoli? I think Ooh. that's enough of a name to raise pulses. And mm. the other one is that if Mo Kudus is really desperate to get out of Ajax, there's obviously all these links with West Ham United. That could be a really interesting move for him. He could play multiple positions. I think he's supple enough to fit into the system that Xavi wants to play, where he can you know, fulfill multiple roles. I think that's a really interesting one. If they can't get Felix, Caduce could be one that really does you know, light the place up, I think, and would get people excited. Yeah, West Ham fans do not want to hear that. They're on the verge of signing him, so they, they don't want to hear about that. There's already been a few whispers that, that Chelsea are about to get involved in that. So, uh, yeah, but you're right. It would, it would be a, a nice little fit to that, that model and would probably fly under the radar a little bit too in terms of being a massive signing, just an exciting signing. So, yeah, I, li- I like that a lot. I've been thinking about what we're doing here. And actually, I think whereas you were literally in the inpatient rooms trying to fix problems, I mm. feel like a consultant. Oh, just yeah. Just stood at the back suggesting what other people might be able to do for these patients. Yeah, I've always been more hands-on than you, so that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, Does yeah, yeah. yeah. Does indeed. Right, let's get out of Catalonia and over to the Italian capital where I want to deal with AS Roma under Jose Mourinho in his third season we all know what that means. Um, right, they've brought in Hussein Awa, centre attacking midfielder, Paredes, centre midfielder, Evan Andika at centre back, Renato Sanchez on loan at centre midfield, Rasmus Christensen from Leeds United on loan, a right back, and Diego Lorente also in from Leeds on loan at centre back. Uh, they've lost Genie Wijnaldum, his loan spell has ended. Uh, Benjamin Tahirovic has gone to Ajax, Matic has left. Gonzalo Villar has finally left after all of those loan spells. Volpato has left, the young centre midfielder. Roger Ibanez has gone off to Saudi Arabia. Abrima Darbo has gone out on loan, as has Elder Shemuradov, who was centre forward, but he was on loan last year. That shouldn't be too much of an issue. But Roma need a striker because Tammy Abraham is out until at least Christmas. And the problem with Roma is... They're a little bit like Barcelona in it doesn't feel like they have pretty much any money. FFP seems to have been all over this Roma patient for so long. So what you're looking at is someone who's got to bring someone in. Now, that Roger Banyas fee of around 30 million euros should ease the pressure a little bit. That should allow them to have a little bit of wiggle room. And that striker feels like the position that they need to strengthen more of anyone. So Avo Morata, potential player to come in here we know Mourinho likes him but also there's that element that with Memphis and Antoine Griezmann up top for this Atleti side he's going to be a bit part player which I don't think he would be in Rome. Yusuf Nasiri has been linked with moves away from Sevilla all summer there's been talk that he rejected a move to West Ham because he didn't feel it was at the right level or caliber but I think Roma has that you know draw about it it feels like a big legacy club um, and the other one that I'm interested in is could they get involved in the Mediterranean conversation at the sort of 20 million euro mark that he's been pegged at. That feels like a conversation that Roma should be in 
if they're able to get that kind of fee together off the back of the Abanya signing. Mm. In an ideal world, I would give them Ty Stellinger from Toulouse because I feel like he's about to explode and could be one of the next big strikers to make it out and, and to actually make his mark. I think he'd really suit this team. But I've been thinking about the alternative cheap options as well. And if Roma need free agents, Alfredo Morelos is still kicking around after being released from Rangers. Yeah, he is. Yeah. And Musa Morega, who's been frozen out in Saudi Arabia. You don't hear that very often. He's on his way back. 32 years old now, but has always had a good strike rate, was excellent for those years at Porto, and feels like the kind of striker that I think Mourinho would love. So just putting those two on the radar, that if, if Roma need to, you know, to pick up the cheap option, that those two players very much still on the table. Also linked with Mason Greenwood, um, which is obviously a, an ongoing issue. Greenwood won't be playing for Man United again, and I can't see him playing anywhere in England again, given the the PR uh, disaster that, that would follow that. So I think the only way for him to try and pursue a football career would be outside of the country. Uh, Mourinho's men were one of the first linked to Mason Greenwood. Not going to go into the ins and outs of whether I think uh, it, it's okay, but I've got to put it I, on the radar. I hope that doesn't happen. I think that probably sums up my views on the, on, on the thing. Um, right, let's go to centre-back. And I was looking at this, and, and something that I've liked in recent times is Chris Smalling's move to Roma and his renaissance there. I've always said that I thought Harry Maguire should follow in his footsteps, but I don't think that Roma could afford him even if he wanted to leave Manchester United, which it becomes, it's becoming increasingly clear that he, he almost certainly doesn't for whatever reason that is. So I've been thinking about it and there are a few Premier League sort of options that might be of interest to Marino. Trevor Chalaber. Doesn't look like he has much of a space in this Mauricio Pochettino new era Chelsea. And Jaffet Tanganga has been linked with an exit from Spurs. Now, obviously, Tanganga had a pretty good relationship with Mourinho during Mourinho's time in North London. Nat Phillips is still at Liverpool. He clearly needs a move somewhere, although I'm not sure that he's quite of the calibre that Mourinho had won. And there's also a history between Mourinho and Axel Twanzebe who is now a free agent, having been released from Aston Villa. He was the captain of the reserves when Mourinho was Manchester United manager. And there were lots of articles at the time, I remember, Mourinho saying how impressed he was with Tuan Zebe, his game, his attitude, all of it. But I wonder if one of those three could be an interesting answer for Mourinho's three at the back on, on the right-hand side. The only other thing that might be worth considering is that Sergio Ramos is still without a club. <laughs> they could, <laughs> could they? <laughs> that's what you want that's a narrative for you mm. I don't know I, I think the actual one that I think would be great here is is Chalaber I think Trevor Chalaber on the right hand side of Marina back three suits really nicely and Chelsea might be able to let him go out on loan and see if they can raise his value before a potential sale next summer so that's what that's what I would be, be looking at if I was Roma and just trying to fill in this centre back core which feels a little bit like Brian Cristante played a little bit back there last season but generally I think it just feels a little bit light maybe one body light back there the other thing is that their centre midfield core feels slightly light as well Weston McKenney on loan with an obligation feels like a deal that would suit all parties now mm. I'm not sure if Juventus would sell to a Serie A rival especially you know one that finished above them in the table last season um, if Roma could afford him, I really like Joan Gonzalez at Lecce. I think he'd feel like a really nice fit in a Mourinho midfield pair. 
Um, and Suat Serdar hasn't succeeded at Hertha Berlin, but I still think there's a player there, and I'm sure that Hertha can't afford him on his Zweite Bundesliga payroll. He hasn't been in a league squad so far. There were just some sort of alternate options kicking around, but I think mm. the McKenney on loan feels like the kind of deal that would really suit Roma here and just be like a, the last piece to this puzzle. Is the patient going to be okay? What are the, what's the expectations? I think that the expectations are relatively low, given the fact that they haven't been able to have the surgery they felt like they needed this summer. They weren't able to afford, you know, the healthcare charges. And so therefore, <laughs> at the moment, the expectations are low, I think. And, and the general consensus is that this isn't going to be a brilliant season. But equally, it feels like Mourinho needs something to kind of let his legacy lie. In, in Rome. Obviously, he reached the Conference League final and won it in his first year. He reached the Europa League final and lost it in his second year. He hasn't reached that Champions League top four break. And it feels like this is the opportunity to, you know, to really kick onwards. Mm. There's been some really smart signings. I really like Awa. I, I really like Renato Sanchez. I really like Evan and Dika. But I just feel that they need two or three more component parts to really make this work. And that's where I'm struggling right now. I, I think we're two or three away from this being a really competitive team in a top four struggle. Mm, okay, so who's next on your file list of file, mate? Right, we're going up from the Italian capital to the Dutch capital, where I want to take a look at Ajax of Amsterdam. Now, they've lost Stecklenburg, Jurian Timber, Calvin Bassi, Edson Alvarez, Florian Grilic, Dusan Tadic, and there are also rumours about Mohamed Kadus obviously leaving, and also Geronimo Rui. They've brought in Ramaj. Sutalo and Medic, two centre-backs. Gai, who's a right-back. Tahirovic from Roma. Van den Boomen from Toulouse, who's a centre-midfielder. They brought in Carlos Borges from Manchester City. And Chupa Akpom from Middlesbrough in a move that surprised kind of everybody, I think. That's a terrible um, signing. That is a terrible signing. I don't think signing. it's a terrible signing. I just thought well, it depends what they want from him. If they want goals, it is. Hmm, well, we'll see. We'll see. He had a good year last year. Mm. Um, what Ajax really need, I think, is a centre-back, a defensive midfielder, and an attacking midfielder if Caduce leaves. So at centre-back, one of the players I really like for Ajax is Hiroki Ito at Stuttgart. Beautiful passer of the ball. Really, really lovely in-possession centre-back. And I think he kind of fits with ethos. Now, Ajax's ethos is a little bit different, right, to to what you'd expect from from Barcelona or Roma in that you kind of want these to be slightly different names. They want to be names that have potential for sell-ons or they're players who are looking to be part of a system towards the end of their career. So Hiroki Ito, I think, still on the way up at Stuttgart. I really like him. I think that he would kick on at Ajax. Clement Longley, Barcelona need him off the books. And he seems to fit nicely, I think, with, with what they're doing stylistically. The player I would love to give them is Yurai at Athletic Club. But dealing with Athletic is like pulling teeth, considering that they can't just go out and buy a mm. replacement player. So I think that's going to be well outside of Ajax's budget. Um, but yeah, I think Hiroki Ito at Stuttgart might be the guy here. I think he might be the one to come in, partner Sotalo there at centre-back, who I think is a really good pickup, um, and just give them a little bit more depth and breadth in, in those centre-back positions, because it's not been a great start to the season for Ajax. They've got four points from six, but... I think we've seen them wobbly in both of their games so far. A defensive midfield plays into this, right? And they've been linked with a return for Donny van der Beek. I'm not sure that's where I'd be going. One I'd like to see is Gabriel Menino. Obviously was linked with loads of teams in the Premier League a couple of years ago at Palmeiras. And um, that 
hype has sort of gone away, but I still think there's a really, really decent player in there, able to recycle, able to, you know, control from the bottom of midfield. Um, if they want something else slightly more destructive, Baptiste Santamaria at Rennes, I think, is a, is a really good player and on his way up as well. If they're looking for a little bit more experience in there to replace the likes of Tadic, not, not in the same position, but in terms of just the dressing room, Martin de Rohn's at Atalanta. Now, he's been a really key player there for a while, but he is Dutch. And I wonder if a kind of homecoming returned. He obviously came through uh, not at Ajax, but a, a homecoming to his, his country would be something of interest at this sort of point in his career where he's 32-ish. Uh, Robert Andrich is a little bit younger at Leverkusen, but a really, really good footballer there. Where Chaka and Ezekiel Palacios in there now, I don't think he's an automatic starter in the Leverkusen midfield. And that might be something to just keep an eye on. I'd have loved to have suggested as like a real Ajax kind of player, youngster with a major, major potential value, Santiago Heze of Huracan, box-to-box engine, defensive work rate through the roof, a brilliant young Argentine footballer, but he has literally just moved to Olympiacos. So oh. uh, someone, someone is going to pay top dollar for him in two years' time instead. So I'm, I'm sad that Ajax have missed out on that one and we didn't do this earlier in the injury campaign, but... But yeah, there's 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 work to be done, I think, in defensive midfield. Yeah, so yeah, two games into the season and Ajax not top of the league. It's always a bad place to be, um, but not not completely new these days. There's definitely more competition, isn't there, in Eredivisie? So it it should it should really kick them on and motivate them that they've got to lift their levels and rethink the model a little bit. Mm, it just feels like this is a bit of a dud summer so far. I'm just yeah. trying to. Give it a little bit of life, right? And yeah. I suppose the the last position is if Caduceus leaves that kind of attacking midfield role. They've been linked with James McAtee at Manchester City. Feels like that's part of the Caduceus deal. Almost. I, I really like it as a fit. He was a cracking player in the Championship last season for Sheffield United. Had a really good campaign. Don't think he's going to get those minutes at Manchester City this season. Just that move away, and I think a, a space for him to thrive would be a good spot. But if they can't get him or he doesn't want to leave Manchester City, I think they should look to MLS. So first off, Thiago Almada, who might be out of their price range, but it feels like, I think, the best young player in MLS right now. But if they can't get him, Luciano Acosta at Cincinnati is a lovely footballer and a relatively nice fit as well. And I think that he deserves his opportunity to go on and you know and actually kick it on in a, in a European league and maybe play in the Champions League. I like all of it. And I think that Luciano Acosta would be a really nice fit at Ajax. So, yeah, Thiago Almada first, then maybe McAtee. And then if not, then Acosta, I think, is a really nice third option. That's great consultancy. Um, you're doing a really good job here, scouring the whole of Europe. Mm, and beyond, by the sounds of it. And beyond. Yeah, beyond. Um, right, let's go to our final patient, which is Olympic Lyonnais, or Lyon, as most people know them. Now, they've had a bit of a clear out this summer. Malo Gusto left for Chelsea, obviously signed in January, went back on loan. He's gone. Uh, Hussein Awa has gone off to Roma. Moussa Dembele has gone off to Saudi Arabia. Jerome Boateng has been released. Castelli Lekeba has gone to RB Leipzig. And Thiago Mensch has gone off to play in Qatar, I believe, after wow. a couple of years at Lyon. Uh, they've brought in Skelly Alvaro. Uh, they've brought in Clinton Matter, which fill two of the holes in centre midfield and right back. They brought in Ainsley Maitland-Niles. The most versatile player on earth, apart from Bobby Decordova-Reed. Uh, they brought in DJ Coletta Carr from Southampton on loan. Uh, and they've brought in young forward Nuamar as well from Nordjylland, I believe. Um, but I feel they are big time short. And Leon 
have had a dreadful start to the season. They are in the bottom three in league are zero wins from their first two games zero draws from their first two games zero points from their first two games at the end of the last one alexander lacazette was sent off after mm. scoring so it's not ideal so first off i think they need another center forward now i think it's important to put into context here that last year leon were bought by john texter who also owns crystal palace uh, or at least a part of Crystal Palace, I believe. Uh, he's a big US magnate who said that he was going to spend money so that they could keep up with PSG and challenge at the top of the table. So far, I believe that Leon are about 55 million euros in profit in this transfer window. So there should be some money to spend, but Leon are not in Europe and they don't have the draw to buy the biggest players or the best players in the way that they perhaps once did. So you've got a little, little bit not completely outside the box, but I think they're going to be looking at players who maybe aren't that top level but have the potential to get there. Or players who have played at the top level and who are kicking back a bit. So first off, they should be right in this Flo Balogun conversation. After what he did in France last season, they feel like a really good fit for, for Flo Balogun who wants a route out of Arsenal and who could play in a big club like Lyon, but one that is trying to rise again rather than actually one that is is kind of already there, which I think is an interesting bet. Jonathan David's an interesting one as well. Will Lille sell to Leon? I don't know. But if Lille have, have said they will sell for the right price, I don't know if that would change for a league on competitor. But I think that if Leon have this money, that's a guaranteed goals signing. Yurek we mentioned earlier, um, feels like the kind of player that Leon might look to bring in on a loan deal. But one that interests me is, What's Eric Maxime Chupo moting up to? Hey. Harry Kane is joined Bayern Munich. Because this is one I'd like to see. I think he'd be a really nice fit. I think him and Lacazette could split minutes. They wouldn't be overworked. And I think that Chupo moting, his star has risen over the last couple of years, generally, and that his stock has gone up. I think that would be a pretty decent signing for Leon there. Yeah, I mean, uh, Laurent Blanc isn't uh, covering himself in glory these days, is he? And after the start to the season, uh, he was asked, like, what can change in order to turn things around at Lyon? And he said, change the manager. Well, he is the manager. Well, he said that before the season began. It was like, oh, God, we're here, are we? Already? That's, a, that's a great vibe to say, isn't it? So he said it before, and then they lose two, and then he's still saying it. You probably just do it, to be honest. Like, whether he's being sarcastic or not. I don't see how that can be the good, a good foundation to build your season upon, especially when it starts so badly. Mm, yeah, no, I completely agree. Completely agree. Um, right, let's go centre-back, where I think they're still also a little bit light. Um, obviously, Boateng seems to be on the way to retiring, and Lukeva was a big loss. Um, but I think there's some interesting players out there. Dan Axel Zagadou's done a year at Stuttgart and started to rehabilitate his reputation a little bit. But I think bringing him in to help coax through this next generation of Leon youngsters might be an interesting one. Armel Bella Kotchap is kicking around in the championship with Southampton. And it feels like they would accept an offer if the price was right. I think mm -hmm. this would be a lovely place for him to build. Um, and then there's Tosin Adrabayo at Fulham, who pretty much seems out. desperate to leave. He wants to go to Monaco, but I'd imagine that if Leon came in, he might be vaguely interested with that as well. So... There's one for you around the 10 million mark. I think yeah, that I do would want to get him out. That would, that would do that. Um, and then there's centre midfield, where 
I think Renato Tapia at Celta Vigo, one year left on his deal, been really impressive at Celta in you know, a struggling team, I think. Could be a really interesting pickup here for Leon. Mario Lamina at Wolves. I feel like he was really? the kind of player who would bring something to Leon. You know, I, I really like Lamina. I've liked him for a long, long time. I liked him at Fulham. I liked him when he went off to Nice. I like him at Wolves. I think that he's the kind of player that the Leon fans would love. And, you know, all action, able to get around the pitch, has that ability to, to make things happen as well. I'm just a big fan of Lamina's generally. Um, but the last one I have is a slightly different vibe. Could they get involved with a deal to bring in Leslie Ugachukwu on loan from Chelsea? Because now that Lavia's in there, Caicedo's in there. It doesn't feel like there's going to be loads of minutes for him. Now, the obvious option for Chelsea is to loan him to Strasbourg, who are under the Chelsea ownership group. But actually, Leon might be an interesting one in terms of what they bring. And they could, you know, if they're promising minutes, then I think it would all fit quite nicely. So, yeah, a couple of options there for the centre-back and centre-midfield spots. Yes, yeah, very good, mate. I mean, you, again, like the consulting here. I mean, I don't know what sort of fees you're charging these clubs, but it seems like you've got fixes all over the place. Hmm. Well, I try my best. I try my best. <laughs> uh, there we have it. Fixes for Leon, for Ajax, for Roma, and for Barcelona here in the International Hospital for Consulting in terms of dealing with the emergency room problems at various clubs. And with that, we're going to bring the emergency room to an end. But in part three, we've got a couple of hot takes back in the building to finish this episode. Stick with us. Welcome back to Ranks FC. It's part three and it's time for Hot Takes. Can't wait to have this one back in the building. We're going to start with this from Tommy. Now, I've got to give a disclaimer here. Tommy sent this in before the weekend and before Kevin De Bruyne got injured in the Manchester City season. So okay. it's worth just bearing that in mind before we hear what Tommy has to say. Okay. What up, Rank Squad? This is Tommy Boynton and I'm from St. Paul, Minnesota. And I've been loving the pod since BR football days. So thank you so much for all you guys have been doing. My hot take is slightly a two-part thing, which is I think that Phil Foden is the most talented English player of our time. And that I think that he should be actually replacing Gundogan in the middle at City. I think he'd be so much more effective there, especially since he grew up watching David Silva and playing with Gundogan all those years. I think just he's so since he's so technical and can control the ball in such tight spaces that he'd be more effective there than on the wing. What do you guys think? Thanks for everything you do. Peace. I mean, it's hotter than hot. I mean, it's boiling because it's true. It's already been proven to be true. Um, a, a brilliant take. I think what I like about it is like at the point he would have sent this in, obviously, Phil Foden was widely accepted in the general football world as, as now being a wide footballer, a wide attacker. And I think that those that, well, either follow Man City closely or followed Phil Foden closely, would have known that there was a plan for him to come back central, that it was never going to be a permanent thing, that he was a wide forward. But it just seemed, especially his age and his profiling and the competition for places with both England and Man City, that that was the best place for him. Now, obviously, De Bruyne are out, Foden getting this opportunity in the middle of the park and absolutely exploding. Uh, best player on the park um, when they played against Newcastle. Um, fantastic performance from him. We're going to be seeing loads more of it. If you haven't got him in your FPL team, get him in your FPL team. He is a must-have and a brilliant take from Tommy. Um, I don't. My, my hottest part of this take is, is he the most talented English footballer of this generation? 
That's the hottest part of the take, I think. Is he? It, would you have him above Bukayo Saka right now? Yeah, I think when you look at Foden being brought through and the expectations that have been pinned on him since a very young age, then yeah, probably. I'd say there's been more expectation for Foden to get to this level because of the technical brilliance of him. Um, he's, he's a bit different to Saka, like in intricate controlling areas as his career advances, you're going to see Foden become a different player. I don't think you'll see that from Saka. I think with Saka, pretty much what you see is what you get right now. I don't see his positioning evolving that much over time. Maybe as, as the game changes, he ends up being a right back, but ultimately he'll still be doing pretty much the same thing. I'm, I'm kind of making that up, by the way. Um, but with Foden, I feel like, honestly, there's probably five positions in a football pitch that you could slot him into and he would do it. Yeah, no, I don't disagree with that at all. I just think that probably I'd have maybe Bellingham and Saka above where Foden is right now, but just as just as a kind of. I mean, yeah, interest, I mean, but it's not. But he's also are, one of the few the stars thing. in a team, whereas Foden's surrounded by them. It has been anyway. Yeah, I just I just thought it was the that maybe the hottest part of the take or the spiciest bit was that he was the most talented of this English generation. All right, let's come on to Franco. <laughs> Hey guys, my name is Franco. I am from Venezuela, but I currently live in Miami, uh, the now city of Lionel Messi. <laughs> and I'm a huge, huge Roma fan. So, you know, that's fun. <laughs> and um, my hot take is that for this upcoming season, uh, Awar, um, Roma's latest signing, will have uh, more goal co contributions, um, you know, goals and assists than any other midfielder in the league. I know it sounds crazy, but I think he's going to adapt so well to Jose Mourinho's system at Roma uh, that, that he's going to, you know, basically break the league. Um, Milinkovic-Savic, Tonali and more midfielders have left the Serie A for this upcoming season. And I honestly think that um, Awar is going to do very, very good. Let me know what you guys think. And congrats for everything that you guys are doing. That was nice. That was very nice. I love the little giggles in between as well. That, that made me chuckle. Um, it's a hot take. It's a hot take because the form book's not good. Um, I, I wouldn't say that coming into this season, I would be expecting him to hit those sorts of levels. Um, considering like what we've been seeing in in goal contributions in the past couple of seasons, like it's nowhere near being the best in the league, and that was in Liga. So I'm skeptical about this. I'm imagining you'll be hotter on it more because you'll want it to come true than you actually believe it. I think it's a, an interesting take. What I'm intrigued by is that that would suggest that he's getting more goal contributions than Paolo Dybala. And yeah. that's that's an interesting one off the bat. Now, I have no doubt that Awa will be more available than Paolo Dybala, given his injury history. I can't see him getting past Zielinski. And I can't see him getting past Barella. They'd be my, they'd be my two contributors but there's also you know it's a very difficult one to rank in that at what point do players go from being attacking midfielders or midfielders to 
to forwards. Is Dybala a forward or a midfielder? I, I'm, I'm not quite sure. He's probably somewhere in the middle. And um, you have similar things with someone like Juricic at Sassuolo, who, who's high for goal contributions usually, but I'm not quite sure where actually he plays. You know, it could be a midfielder playing in the front too. He could be moving backwards. So I think it's a hot take. And I think Awa's going to have a really good season. But I think that to suggest he'll get the most combined goals and assists is probably even a little bit hot for me. Okay, so how does it compare to my hot take from Patreon on Monday that Messi is going to win the golden boot in MLS despite having zero goals to his name so far? Yeah, I, I also don't agree with that. We've, we've had this discussion. If you're not on Patreon, come over now. This is the silver content that you are missing out on. <laughs> I'm standing by that, by the way. I'm standing by it. Well, he has 12 games. We shall see. We shall see if he can overtake. Two goals a game, 24 goals done. Hanny McDowell's currently on 13. Um, there are 12 games left for Lionel Messi to overhaul that. I'm, I'm, I'm skeptical, but Dean's pretty convinced. Oh, mate, I'm so convinced. I'm thinking of actually putting the bet on. I need to look Let it up. Go. There we go. Well, let's look at. I, I imagine your odds you'll get won't be. Won't they be won't be great. great. Yeah, I'll probably be like. Considering how difficult things are. Yeah. That's true. Um, it'd be like, yeah, two to one on Messi doing that. So if it's that odds, I won't do it. Um, we'll see. We'll we see. will see. Right. So with that, I think it's probably time for us to call it a day here. So oh, what a shift, mate. What a shift we've had today. And uh, I mean, you know, tough, tough work we've got. Um, me, you know, room to room through the hospital. You obviously sitting in your fancy office, but doing your tough consultancy job. I feel we both really deserve a break now. Um until Friday's Patreon. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Thank you so much to Tommy and Franco for their hot takes. We are back in hot take mode. So if you do have something for us to think about and discuss, please do send them in. We take them in on Instagram or on Twitter. We'll be looking in those inboxes for next week. Thank you so much to Mr. Dean Jones, our transfer guru. Cheers, mate. I've been Jack Collins, Knave of Hearts. This has been Ranks FC, looking at the clubs who need emergency treatment over the next couple of days before that transfer window slams shut. Thank you so much for listening as ever, and we will see you next week, gang. Take it easy. Peace. Final seconds of the game. A chance to score and... The chance has gone begging. If your business's commerce platform keeps missing the target on golden opportunities, get the MVP you deserve. Get Shopify. (coughs) Shopify is the commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. Whether you're a garage entrepreneur or IPO ready, Shopify is the only tool that you need to start, run and grow your business without the struggle. Shopify puts you in control of every sales channel. So whether you're selling signed football boots from Shopify's in-person POS system or you're vending vintage shirts on Shopify's all-in-one e-commerce platform, you are covered. And once you've reached your audience, Shopify has the internet's best converting checkout to help you turn them from browsers to buyers. What I love about Shopify is how, no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US. And Shopify is truly a global force, powering Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across over 170 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Sign up 
for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash ranks, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com forward slash ranks to take your business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash ranks.